to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today I'm going to jump right in because I want to talk about this. And if you didn't get to, um, if you didn't get to hear the testimony <clears throat> of what God did, I wanted to just share it with you to start this off because I talked about it a little bit last night, and then uh, I was talking about it again this morning. And um, it just—it's—it's it's funny how the Lord will do things just as a, a reminder uh, of what He's doing for you in your life. He'll just do things as a sign or a wonder, just to let you know, you know, what He's what He's accomplishing in your life, but. Um, a couple days ago when we were getting ready to, uh, to start, we were here in Roswell and, uh, I told my mom, I said, I'm going to run, you know, cause a lot of times we do these revivals. We, we rent houses instead of staying hotels because it's better. And, um, I said, you know, I'm going to run to the grocery store and just pick up, uh, some groceries for the house. And she was like, no, I can go for you. I said, no, I'm going to go. I, I feel to go. So I got in the truck and went out there and, uh, I went into Walmart. But when I went into Walmart, um, it's one of those Walmarts that has a McDonald's connected in the lobby to it. Dangerous thing for me. I didn't know that going in, but thank you, Jesus, that it was there. I went in. The fast is over. Feasting time has begun. I went into McDonald's and um, got in line because it was still morning time, which meant I had time for egg McMuffins. And I say McMuffins because I didn't just order one. I believe in the overflow. I believe in double portion. And I got two Egg McMuffins on that morning. And so I ordered two Egg McMuffins. And um, when I went to pay, uh, the lady that was at the register, she didn't really speak fluent English. She spoke Spanish was her first language. And uh, so she, she was like, no, 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 no. And I was getting ready to put my card into the, to the terminal. She goes, no, 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 no. I said, well, no, I'm, I got to pay for the Egg McMuffins. And she kept motioning over to the dining room of the McDonald's. And I'm looking over there. And I didn't see anybody that I knew. And there was like a group of men having like a business meeting. And she keeps pointing over at them. And I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. And one of the men at the table just kind of nods at me like that. So I, t- I put my card away. And I went over to the table where the men were sitting. And I said, did you pay for those Egg McMuffins? And, and the man said, yes. He said, you're a true man of God. And uh, I didn't even know I, I knew anybody at McDonald's. But the man said, no, you're a true man of God. And he said, I, I, I wanted to bless you. He said, I didn't want you paying for your, for your food uh, here. I, I really believe in what you're doing. He said, I keep hearing in my spirit, South America, South America. I said, yeah, I just got back from South America. I was just preaching and, uh, and we just held a revival there in December. He said, oh, I knew it. I said, he said, I knew it in my spirit. He said, well, God bless you. Uh, I just wanted you to know that I didn't want you to have to pay for your own food. I, I appreciate your ministry. I said, thank you very much. And so I was just, I was just blown away. I went into Walmart, did all the shopping that I needed to do. And then I paid and was going out in the parking lot with my, my, uh, cart, getting ready to put it all in the truck. And, uh, I hear him shouting, he's running through the parking lot and he's running towards me in the, in the parking lot. And, um, he says, oh, hold on. I can't let you leave. I said, okay. He said, no, I, I've got to, I've got to ask you. He said, um, I want you to pray and bless my business. I said, oh, I'm happy to. He said, I own this McDonald's. He said, I own a bunch of other ones in the Atlanta area. 
And he said, I, I want you to pray with me and, and bless, bless the business. Pray that God would bless the business. I said, I'm happy to do that. And he said, I, I'm from Nigeria. I, I studied in London. Now I live in the United States. And he said, I'm believing God. He said, not only that, when I saw you going out, I had one of my staff members. I said, go back to the office in the back of the McDonald's. He said, I want you to get a 2023 seed ready. I mean, you know, you can't make this stuff up. He said, I want you to get a 2023 seed ready to sow. And he brought, he ran out into the parking lot with an envelope in his hand. And he said, I want you to, I want you to bless. I want to sow this into your ministry. And I want you to pray that God will bless our business. I said, absolutely. And I prayed and, and uh, blessed him. And we were just thanking God for increase. And as I was driving away, it came to my mind that uh, scripture that I'm getting ready to read to you um, from Deuteronomy 28. So if you have your Bible, that's where I'm at. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'm going to just start at the very beginning there because after he put that in my hand and I started driving back to the house, uh, this scripture came up in my spirit. And um, it shook me up. Because, and as we're talking about on the broadcast today is how to ensure that blessings chase you down. How to ensure that blessings chase you down. And so after he did that, I had this scripture uh, verse pop up in my spirit. Um, and I want you to, uh, I'm going to start by reading verses one and two. I want you to mark it up if you don't have it marked. But God says to the nation of Israel, and he's talking about keeping the covenant that he's made with them. And in verse one, it says, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, the voice of the Lord, your God. And Caitlin, you're going to want to go back and anybody that's just uh, logging on, go back and um, listen to the story I just told, because it really, it put me in position to be in this mindset as I was leaving. He said, if you carefully and faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord, your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And here's the, here's the thing that got me, verse two. And all these blessings shall come upon you and do what? And overtake you. All these blessings shall come upon you and will overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The blessings will do what? They'll come upon you and they'll overtake you. I want to talk about that. The blessings of God overtaking you. You know, it makes me think of, uh, I've lived for the majority of my life now by the ocean, uh, starting in 2003. So over half my life now, I've lived by the ocean. Starting in 03, I lived in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And now, of course, we live in Florida on the coast. And, um, you know, you go, you go to the beach. And um, if you're not used to being at the beach, I see this happen to people all the time is there's people visiting from out of state and visiting from like Canada and they're not used to being at the beach. They're not used to seeing how the ocean uh, is, is moving. And so you'll have people standing in the ocean, you know, and talking to their family on the shore and not even realize, you know, that the tide's coming in and the waves are starting to roll. And all of a sudden you're watching it. You're like, oh, this dude doesn't even know what's about to happen. And he's standing there talking to his family on the shore and you see a wave building up behind him. 
It's like, oh, man, he doesn't even know. He's getting ready to be rocked by this wave, and you're just like watching, like, this is going to be good. This is going to be really good. And the wave builds and builds and builds, and uh, literally, without warning, you just see somebody get wrecked by a wave. Man, it smashes them from behind, knocks them under the water. Sometimes they tumble. It's, it's like an amazing pastime to watch that. And, and, and it's like, man, he didn't even know. He didn't even see it. That thing built up and then just like full out hit him. And he rolled. He's tumbling under the water. And it's like that kind of a picture. When I hear that, these blessings will come upon you and they will overtake you. I want you to get that in your spirit that the blessings are faster than you are. They're more forceful than you are. Literally, when they'll come upon you and overtake you. You know, that's, that's, that's phrasing that you use, uh, you know, in, that, that's, you know, whether that be um, an altercation, a fight, or, you know, wrestling match, whatever. Man, he overtook that dude. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like um, forcefully brought him down. He, man, he overtook him. And you start to recognize what that kind of phrase means. That it's not just that the blessing is going to come upon you. It's like nicely resting on your shoulders. The blessing of God is going to overtake you. It always makes me think back to that wave smash of people onto the shore. It's like that thing hits you so hard that you tumble, and then you're just rolling around under the blessing of God. The blessing of God's going to overtake you. It's going to overtake you. You know, it's crazy because people mess around. They don't understand. They think, they think this is all just some like religious jargon when we talk about the blessing of God overtaking people and stuff. But let me tell you, it's no accident when I see <clears throat> faithful people that serve the Lord gladly and that they go from blessing to blessing and increase to increase, seems like they're just on a, on a, a, a path that just goes higher and higher. And it's like, man, it seems like they never have any down days, any down months, any down years. I was talking with somebody uh, who just sent an offering into the ministry. They said, you know, ever since I've been sowing and, uh, you know, I've been standing in faith, I do a lot of investing, and, and I know they do not just investing, but even investing with cryptocurrency. They said, you know what's crazy? They said, in all the time that I've been doing this, I've never had uh, down times uh, or, or losses. The Lord's led me perfectly. And they said this to me. They said, there was one thing right in the middle of my two big, huge spans of increase where I had a loss. And I was expecting it to be like this big loss. They're like, yeah, it was $50. I lost $50. It was like all this time. And... Um, you see these people that are faithful and it's like, man, it feels like they're, they never have downtime or they're, they're never losing out and stuff. Well, there's a difference between people that are faithful and people that don't, that don't care about God's covenant. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. I'm not called to fail. You're not called to fail. You're not called to diminish. You're not called to go backwards. You're not called to uh, have roller coaster style Christianity in your life where it's up one year, down the next year. You're not called to that. You are called in your, in your obedience to have the blessing of God come upon you and overtake you, glory to God, to chase you down and overtake you. Thank you, Jesus. To chase you down and overtake you. That's right. We should look different. That's right, Janine. And, and here's what I'm saying. You go back and look. And now... I'm not saying this to brag on me. I'm saying this as to what God's going to do for you. Many of you, it's the same way. Is that now you're giving away 
in your tithes and offerings what other people that you went to college and high school with are making in a year. Hallelujah. You're giving away salaries, like full out salaries. My wife just wrote me a text message yesterday. She said, I just got uh, our giving statement back from our home church. Now, I want you to keep in mind, our home church is not the only place that we give. It's, it's one of the places we give, but not the only place. We give into all kinds of ministries. We give to all kinds of, of ministries. And as you know, we're, we're connected with Feed the Hungry as well. And so when she sent me back uh, our giving statement amount from our home church, I just kind of sat there and looked at it like, oh, my Lord. I mean, because, you know, I'm not like um, every single day keeping track of the total. We do keep our eye on the total as we go just to ensure, if you'll remember I taught you this, one of our parameters for our givings coming to pass, and that is uh, that we give more every year than we did the year before. And I'm sitting there, and she sent me the total from last year, and I'm like, my Lord, we gave that much money. We gave that much money. And uh, it's, it's, my, it's mind-blowing. I mean, it's truly mind-blowing. And I think uh, that we're going to get near the place very soon where between our, our, uh, all of our giving, um, you know, it's going to be close to a, a quarter of a million dollars. And so I'm just telling you, my goal is, you heard it before, <clears throat> I'm going to give a $1 million offering into the kingdom of God. And, um, but I noticed this, it never happens by accident. Notice the stipulation here in Deuteronomy 28. The Deuteronomy 28 passage says, uh, and here, here's, because remember, these aren't promises. These are covenants. These are not promises. These are covenants. Let me tell you, it's one thing to believe that you're going to receive a hundred or a million dollars. You know, it's like, I'm believing for a million dollars. I'm not believing for a million dollars. I'm believing to give a million dollars away, which means that I'm going to need much more than a million dollars. And I will, I'll need, I'll, I'll need, you know, by the time we're done hundreds of millions of dollars to do what we're doing, but I'm not believing for a million dollars. You know, it made me laugh. Somebody recently got mad at my cousin, uh, Jonathan, because he, he posted online that any vision that's worth pursuing is, gonna, is in need of millions of dollars. And somebody got mad. No, that's not true. There's many things you can do uh, in a vision for the Lord that don't take a million dollars. And it's like, you know, like what? You know, like what are you going to be able to do in 2023? That's an impactful, significant vision that's not going to take at least a million dollars. It takes money to do what God's called you to do. And so you have to think bigger than you've thought before. Uh, and don't just, you know, whatever you used to set your mind or your, your heart on as a goal to receive for your business, ministry, whatever, start making that say, that's going to be my goal to give away in Jesus' name. That's going to be my goal to give away. And um, as Pastor Mark Hankins says often, which I like, he says, if you'll get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Amen. If you'll get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. So the Lord says here, if you'll faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord, your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord, 
your God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you something that um, maybe people don't teach often, and I'm not teaching it in a weird way, um, but I want to teach you something that, <clears throat> that Paul taught. Because Paul taught something called the circumcision of the heart. And I want you to put that in the comments. The circumcision of the heart. And I want to show you something that he taught the Romans. Because you can look at Deuteronomy 28 and you could make the case and say, well, you know, that was just for Israel. You can say that. Because it was written to Israel. It wasn't written to Christians. It was written to the Jews that were God's people. And as you know, God has blessed the Jewish people. They are his people. But Christians are also God's people. And I want to show you something. Because Paul taught something very, very interesting. Very interesting. Romans chapter 2. And... uh, if you don't know this, there were, obviously, there were Jews that, were, that made up the Roman church, but also there were many Gentiles. And so <clears throat> when you look at what Paul taught the Romans, it's an interesting passage because he starts to make the case, not just to the Romans, but to the Galatians and other churches, that it doesn't matter whether or not you're born Jewish. That's what Paul's teaching. It doesn't matter whether or not you are born Jewish, right? And so let me read to you what he says here. Um, I'll start with um, verse 25, Romans 2, 25. And I'll read through to the end of the chapter, to 29. But listen to Paul teaching here. He said, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. So notice what he's saying here. We're talking about actual circumcision, like that the Jews required circumcision. He said, yeah, circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically circumcised, uh, excuse me, physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision, but you break the law. Now here's where it gets really interesting, verses 28 and 29. Gets really interesting here. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, meaning being born a Jew, uh, nor is circumcision outward and physical. Verse 29 opens your eyes. You ready? But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So notice what Paul said here. A Jew is not one who is merely a Jew outwardly, But inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of what? The heart. Uh, The heart. So it lines up, doesn't it, with what uh, he told the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3. 
What did he say? He said this, Galatians 3.29. He said, um, I'll start with verse 26. You ready? For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. All of you are. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. He's talking to Christians here. Now, verse 29, get it. And if you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. Get that in your spirit. Just be like, I don't believe in spiritual Israel. Okay, well, then you're contradicting the Apostle Paul because he clearly taught a spiritual Israel or spiritual inward Jews. He said, it doesn't matter if you were born one or not. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised outwardly or not. Circumcision is of the heart. And a true Jew is one inwardly. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. You get that. Because you realize what happened, don't you? When you got saved, you got connected to the body of Christ. Is Christ Jewish? Yes, he is. I'm not on here teaching all kinds of stuff. You need to keep the Jewish feasts and you need, I'm not, I'm not teaching all that. What I'm teaching you is, is that the same blessings that God had apportioned for his Old Testament people, God has those same blessings apportioned for you who belong to Christ because you are Abraham's seed. You are in that same royal line, that same lineage. He's made you a kingdom of priests, the Bible says. And so what I am telling you today is that don't look at those passages of scripture and say, well, you know, praise God that God said that and God did that, but that was really just for the Jews and the nation of Israel. It was for them initially because there was no really no real way for others to come in. But Jesus Christ came. And when Jesus Christ came and shed his blood, he allowed those who were far off. In fact, if you took our, um, our course on Galatians, you'll remember that we talked about, and it's available in the, in the uh, Miracle Word U uh, course store if you, if you want to take it. It's a powerful course on the book of Galatians, a verse-by-verse study. But you'll remember one of the things that came to Abraham was a prophecy and a promise that what? All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, faithful Abraham. That's a prophecy regarding the gospel of Christ coming not just to Jews, but to Gentiles, all the nations of the earth, all the nations of the earth. And we are, as Mike Frost said, grafted in to that same vine by Christ, right? And uh, as we are grafted in by Christ, that means you and I are both members of one body. Paul told this to the Corinthians. He said, we're all members of the same body. What body is that? The body of Christ, the body of Christ. And so the key is this, Jesus is the head, but we're the body. So how is it possible that we are literally in, literally in the body of Christ, but not in position for the blessings of God to come upon us and overtake us? No, no, no. We are in position 
for the blessed, just like the Old Testament Jews, if they kept the commandments of God, if they kept the commandments of God and they did what God told them to do, guess what? You're in position for the blessings of heaven to come upon you and to overtake you. I'm talking like that wave at the beach where it just hits you full on, full force blessing, full force blessing. And I'll tell you, as, as we've been just doing what the Lord says, these last three years have been a blur to see God increase this ministry. It's been a blur to watch it happen simply by just doing what the Lord told us to do, just simply doing what the Holy Ghost said to do. And when we, when we announced the launch of the church, again it happened, an influx like we've never seen where people just started calling up. We've not taken offerings yet. We've not even held a church service yet. But people calling up. I believe it. I, I know what's happening. You know, with the television opening up, getting put on primetime television. We start in uh, three days. We start on Sunday. First, first airing of our new program in three days. It's going to cover all of that region of West Palm up to Orlando and down south of there on prime time, prime time. I didn't ask for prime time. They offered it. They said, you need to be on prime time. I said, thank you, Jesus. I'll take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so it's amazing. God did it. And then people started calling in. Let me cover a month of services at the convention center. Let me cover another month. Let me cover two months. Let me cover a week. Let me cover. And just like one after another, people that have just made up their mind, that's what they're going to do. The Lord's directed them to do it. I'm not out fundraising. How many, you know, cold calling people, hey, we're starting a church. We'd like to know if you'd be interested in sponsoring a week. No, because God did it. It's the Lord's work. It's the Lord's work. And so he provides for his own work. It's the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Amen. It's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. And it's just going to keep on like that. You know, today we're getting ready to go and look. With a, I just placed an order cash of a ton of equipment that we'll need to launch the church. All the audio, all the video, all the lighting, all everything, road cases, everything we'll need. Cash paid for. We're not in any debt. This ministry is not in any debt whatsoever. Zero debt. Everything cash. Everything paid for, everything we do on television around the world, feed the hungry, the studio, the staff, the gear, the stuff for the church, everything is cash debt free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But I'll tell you this, we're going right now, today, after we ordered all that gear, we realized we need a place to put that gear. And so uh, we, we were going to look into renting a box truck, you know, like a 26 foot dock level, dock height box truck. And we realized, like, you know, the way rentals are going right now. By the way, raise your hand in the comments section if you know about this with rentals. It's funny because Jerry Seinfeld used to have a bit on this where, and he did it in his show and he did it in his stand-up. If you go to rent a car, you can have a reservation. It doesn't matter. You can get to the rental car place and they say, I'm sorry, we don't have your car. And then Jerry Seinfeld did the thing. But I had a reservation. Yes, we know you had a reservation. Uh, but your car's not here. He said, no, but that's the point of the reservation. You place the reservation so that you do have my car when I come here. Yeah, but we don't have your car. So what, is there another car that we could give you? No, I want the car that I got. I made the reservation. Yes, sir, we don't have your car. Well, the reason, obviously, there's people that don't turn their cars in on time and all that. So we didn't want to, we didn't want to put ourselves in the position as Miracle Word Church of going in for our reserved box truck 
and them saying, sorry, we don't have one this week. And they're like, oh, we have no way to transport our gear to the convention center for church. And so we looked at, uh, we looked at leasing them, but it was like they wanted, I don't, I don't plan to be mobile as a church for too long. I expect God to be uh, giving us our, our building very soon. And so I said, I don't want a four-year lease, uh, you know, on a, on a truck. And so I realized the same company that does the leases has trucks on their lots for sale. I was like, well, let's go look at, at these trucks for sale. So today we found one uh, that we're going to go look at last. Uh, yeah, Ashley and Ted said, we, we rent trucks every month. They're not always available, especially right now. Like trucks are very uh, hard. They're in demand. So they're very hard to get in a lot of places. So we go, listen to this. We, we start looking at the list of trucks they have uh, for sale on the lot. And I see one that lines up perfectly with what we need. 26 foot, electronic lift gate, all the things, all things we need and all the things we want. And, um, and so uh, I, I said, yeah, I like that. And I, I said, to ask them where they're, where they're located. And Jenna co- comes back to me. She's like, they're actually in Atlanta, where I'm at right now. I mean, if you can't tell me that's God, they're right here in Atlanta, where we're out just outside of Atlanta. And uh, I said, all right, we're going today. And so now today, Brad and I are going to go down and take a look at this box truck. And if it looks good, if it's what we want, we're going to buy it for the church. Amen. We're going to buy it cash for the church. And God's going to continue to bless. Well, one thing after another, God keeps doing. We talked to the guy that has the truck. And uh, I said, you know what? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. In fact, put that in the comments. You have not because you ask not. That's important. Pop that in. You have not because you ask not. Put it in the comments. You have not because you ask not. So I said, you know what? Uh, We've got all the money that we need to just buy it for the list price. I said, but you know what? Ask him. Ask him if he would do anything for us on the price. (laughs) And so Jenna called back. She said, would you, would you work on the price at all? Would you do anything on the price? Uh, give us a little bit of a deal. He said, you know what? Because it's for a good cause. He said, I'm going to knock $7,000 off the price. And so with just one at, see, that's the thing I'm talking about. Expect. I didn't need him to give me a deal because we don't have enough money. That No, I just said, you know what? Why spend more of God's money than we need to? Ask him what he would do. And he said, you know what? Because it's, for a, because it's for a good cause, I'm going to knock $7,000 off the price. And just because of one ask in faith, God did it. And now, now it's going to be $7,000 less than it would have been yesterday. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you that blessing, it chases you down. It overtakes you. It overtakes you. What is the, what is the stipulation here? If you will obey, faithfully obey, the voice of the Lord your God being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today. That's what he said. Be faithful to do all, all the commandments that I command you today. Then the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. Glory to God. I expect to be in a place where we're beyond the normal that we live in the supernatural. I don't believe that the supernatural should be something that we see like once every three years. Get that whole thing out of your spirit. You know, I believe every now and then God will step in and do something supernatural. I don't, I'm not expecting God 
to show up every now and then. <laughs> That's not the way Christianity works. I believe God's going to show up every now and then. I believe we're called to live at a supernatural level. Glory to God. In fact, I want you to write that in your notes. I want you to put it in the comments today. I am called to live at a supernatural level. Amen. Let that be your confession. I am called. In fact, you know, make it a point. Say it to yourself throughout the day. Say it to yourself when you wake up in the morning. Say it before you go to bed at night. You know, if you don't have a, a set of confessions, confess what God's word says. We have our kids doing it already. You know, I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I'm mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. I'm healthy. I'm thankful. I'm bold. I'm a leader. I'm pure. I'm holy. I'm generous. We have our kids say it every night. We declare it over our lives. We declare it over our lives. Amen. I am called to live at a supernatural level. That's right. He's not the God of now and then. We are called on a daily basis to live at a supernatural level. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. I, I'm, blow, I'm blown away, away by this because even as a prisoner, you know, it's like, go with me to Acts 28. Look at the Apostle Paul. Even as a prisoner, he can't help but be blessed. I mean, it's, to me, do you know even when they took the Apostle Paul, and put him in captivity in Rome. I'll, I'll read that to you too, but it was basically like, even though he was a prisoner awaiting execution, they pretty much just let him do what he wanted. They let him have visitors, they let him minister, they let him teach, they let him study. It's like, who does that? We're like, you know, you're basically on death row and you just have people come in, you can teach services, you can study, you can have your, have your books, you can do all the, it's like you're, you're even in the midst of that, he had favor. But look at this now. Acts 28. Remember now, Paul is a prisoner at this point. They've already arrested him. And the Bible says that they experienced a shipwreck in Acts 27. And though they were shipwrecked, the Bible says in the first verse of Acts 28, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness. Hallelujah. Unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. Get that. The native people showed us unusual kindness. Let me just... Instead of, instead of um, going through life saying, you know, you, you know, people, man, they just, people are rough. They never treat you right. People are always mistreating you. That's people's confession. You know, people are hard to work with, brother. I'll tell you, people in this generation, they just, I can't stand working with people. People are always incompetent. I always get bad service. And, you know, that's people, they talk like that all the time. Stop talking like that. Start expecting you know, when I deal with people, I always receive unusual kindness. I love that phrase there in the ESV. Uh, they welcomed us. And there was unusual, they showed us unusual kindness. I mean, if you're somebody that's in covenant with God, I want, I want you to start expecting that. Unusual kindness. Man, man, that, that, that dealership was unusually kind to me. 
man, the, the waitress, the owner of that restaurant was unusually kind to me. Man, the owner of that shop, man, this person, my boss, look at that. They, get, they had just given me a raise like two months ago. They just gave me another raise. That's unusually kind. I mean, just expect unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. Glory to God. That's what they were shown. That's what I'm expecting. You know, it's like with the, the whole thing with TV. Uh, brother, brother Mike that runs the station, he's just been showing us unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. And I, I appreciate it. He believes in our ministry. He said, you know, and, and the, that, that's what I'm talking about. I didn't ask him for these things. I didn't ask him for these things. He came and said, I'm, I'm going to show them unusual kindness. What a blessing. What a blessing he is. And I'm, you need to start expecting that. As I obey the Lord, as I am faithful to the covenant, as I obey his commands, I'm expecting unusual kindness. You know, I'm enough, enough already with everything. How many know you got haters and the haters are after you and your haters, you got to have haters and celebrators. And it's like, dude, okay, enough with the preaching on haters. I get that there are people that, have pre that, that, that hate you. And I've preached on people that God will uh, literally bless you in the midst of those that hate you. I get all that. But I mean, this some, it's all some people talk about. It fills their Twitter feed, Instagram, Facebook, talking about their haters all the time. If you're just constantly dealing with people that hate you, think about it. There might be something wrong with you. What are you doing that everyone that's around you hates you? <laughs> it's, it, might, it might be a sign that it's time to change up your life if you're just constantly surrounded by haters. Stop expecting that. Stop expecting that. Did you know that the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7 that when a man's ways please the Lord, God will make even his enemies be at peace with him. <laughs> Think about that. When a man's ways please the Lord, God will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16, 7. Let that get in your spirit. That as I obey these commandments, hallelujah, as I obey these commandments, as I do what the Bible says to do, whew, even those that were planning to be against me, have, they got to make peace. They got to make peace. Hallelujah. Even those that were initially against me, they have to make peace. Glory to God. They've got to make peace. AJ, it's because I'm anointed that I have so many haters. And no, no, you're not anointed. You're annoying. You're annoying. That's good, AJ. I'm going to use that. You're annoying. It's, it's a sign. If everybody around you hates you, it might be a sign. Something's up with you. Amen. You're called to be a blessing to your generation. A ble People should thank God when you walk in the room. They should, oh man, I like her. I like him. They're great. They make me laugh. They make me smile. I like talking to them. I like being around them. I feel love and peace and joy when I get around them. That's a, People should be happy you showed up, not like, oh, here they come again. You know, there's people like that, that they just carry that like annoying demeanor. That's like, how many have ever felt this? Like where... Uh, they're not even in the room. They call you on the phone or they'll send you a text. And the moment you pick your phone up and see their name, you're like, oh, Lord, here we go. Put your hand up in the comments if you know at least one person. Or it's like if they call you or text you and you see their name come up, you're like, oh, geez. What are they? I wonder what they want now. I wonder what they want now. It's like, yeah, they carry that like annoying demeanor on them. We're like, you're not happy to hear from them. You're not happy. To, I don't ever want to be that person where people call it, oh, wonder what, what they want now. No, 
When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. Even his enemies will be at peace with him. And so Paul, as a prisoner, the people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire, welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man's a murderer, that he, though he escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just declare it. I will suffer no harm in Jesus' name. I will suffer no harm in Jesus' name. Look, suffer no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. It's like, man, Jesus dude is a God. That's how fickle people are. He's a murderer. And though he escaped the sea, he's going to die. Justice won't allow him to live. Oh, he's a God. Oh, my Lord. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Think about that. That's the chief man or the governor of the island. Paul goes from being a prisoner to staying in the governor's house, eating at the governor's table, who entertained them, look what the Bible says, hospitably for three days. They weren't on bread and water. They were eating and dining at the governor's table, sleeping in the governor's house, staying with him. That, uh, look at that, received us and entertained us for three days hospitably. It happened that, after, that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. Paul visited him and prayed, putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. Now look at verse 10. And they also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Did that happen because of Paul's captors? No. Did it happen because of the guards and the soldiers? No. You know what happened because of? Paul. Paul, in the midst of being a prisoner, on his way to Rome in captivity, he can't stop the blessing of God from coming upon him and overtaking him. Oh, shipwreck? Let, okay, shipwreck. But I'm going to shipwreck you. You'll be right in this place where people receive you with gladness, receive you with unusual kindness. The governor is going to put you in his house. He's going to entertain you hospitably for three days. I'll allow signs and wonders to be done. And then whenever I'm finished with that, I'll let all the people of the island now honor you, the actual Greek here, honor you with many honors <clears throat> and give you everything you need to travel. Glory to God, there was no Walmart, there was no Costco and Sam's Club. There was, you know, Paul couldn't run out and do a, 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 a grocery run before they sailed for Rome from Malta. No, the Bible says that people showed up and honored them with many honors and presented everything. They, what's going on? Paul is having the blessing of the Lord come upon him and overtake him everywhere that he goes. You know, people read passages in the scripture and they forget People, people read passages and forget that this was 2,000 years ago. It's not like there's a Hilton and a La Quinta on every corner that you can rent a room every night when you're traveling. And they read things about Paul's persecution or they read things about Paul's hardship in traveling for the Lord. It's like, of course it's more comfortable to just stay in the city. 
Of course you could just stay in Jerusalem. Of course you could just stay in Athens or Corinth. Of course you could just stay in one city and have a nice house and, you know, stay there and work and teach in the synagogue and receive offerings from the people. Paul said, I'm not doing, I'm called as an apostle to travel and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And understand, there were no airplanes to fly on. So people's like, oh man, they read about Paul's sufferings. They say, you know, he went sometimes without food. Yeah, there's not a Ruby Tuesdays that you can stop into on the way. You know, you're on the way to, to Galatia in Asia Minor. There's not like on every corner, oh, you know, let's stop into Panera Bread and get a little bread bowl of soup before we move. It's like there is none of that. So yes, Paul was willing to go without in his travels, on his journeys, his missionary journeys, because he was more faithful to his call and his purpose in the Lord than he was to just staying in a city and being comfortable. I've been shipwrecked. Yes, that's a risk you take when you get on ships 2,000 years ago to go. There's no GPS systems. They don't have you know, Doppler checking the weather every, everywhere before you take off on your ship. No, they don't, they don't have all that. So yes, that's a risk you take 2,000 years ago when you get on a ship to go to another place that you've never been before and the weather might get bad and it might destroy your ship and you might end up being shipwrecked like Acts 27. But notice where it put him right in a place where there was unusual kindness, hospitable entertainment and blessing. And so sure, sure, Paul dealt with persecutions. Sure, Paul dealt with hardships. Absolutely he did. Absolutely he did. And thank God that we have more conveniences now today than Paul did back then. But the, the question still remains, are you willing to do whatever it takes to obey the command of God for your life? Not just to obey the written word. And yes, that is first, foremost, and preeminent to obey the inerrant, inspired, written word of God. But what about what the Lord's asked you to do? What about what, what the Lord's asked you to do? I'll give you an example from my own life right now so that you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, we're very blessed. It's not like some, some preachers are like, man, I need to start a church. My traveling ministry is not doing very well. <laughs> it's like, I need, some, I, need, I need to start a church and just have some people that I can preach to on a weekly basis because nobody's inviting me to travel. That's not the case for us. You know, I did almost 200 services, 200 nights of revival last year. I think it was 191. 191 nights of revival and had to turn a bunch of those invitations down. 41 weeks of revival. These last three years have been the best we've ever seen in our ministry by far, by far. And so it, it's not like, it's not like we're sitting around like, man, we need to start a church. Nobody's inviting us to come preach. There are too many people inviting us to come preach. Too many, too many. I can't go to all of them. And, and we got to the end of that. And I hear the Lord say, uh, some, there's more. And Carolyn and I, we thought it was so weird to come to the end of two powerful years that were far better than anything we've ever seen and still feel in our spirit that there's more. We're not doing everything yet. We're not doing everything yet. We're not doing everything yet. There's more that God wants us to do. And then when we prayed it through in fasting and prayer, we recognized that the Lord was telling us to launch this church in West Palm Beach and raise up an army of believers. But we're not stopping our evangelistic ministry. We're doing both. We're doing both. But I know it's a step of faith. Because let me, let me tell you, it's a step of faith to go to a city that you've never really done ministry in and just launch out by faith and, and open a church and who knows who's going to come. God will bring the people, but I don't know. I've got no idea who will come. Still to this day, there's people that are registered for Launch Sunday. We want you to come on Launch Sunday too. You can go to miracleword.com forward slash launch and register and join us March 26th. 
I know who I know some of the people that are coming on launch Sunday, but of the local people, I have no idea. I, I know of a few, a few, but God's going to bring them in from everywhere. But it takes faith to step out. It's uncomfortable to step out in faith. It's uncomfortable for your flesh to step out in faith. Hallelujah. And so you do it, though it's like, yeah, it, you know, everything in our, our traveling ministry is going wonderfully. I mean, literally, I could just stay and do that, and, and uh, you know, everything is just smooth. You know, just so much available, so much open doors uh, to us. But there's more. And so, yeah, I could stay where, you know, there comes a time where some things become too comfortable until you go to the next level. And your faith should always be working so that you're always having to depend on God and never depending on yourself. That's what faith does. Faith puts its dependency upon God. <clears throat> Let me just say, this is something that'll help you. If your vision for your life is so small that you can carry it out by yourself, then it's not a faith vision. It has to be big enough where you must depend on God for it to come to pass or else it's not pleasing to God. Because if you can do it in your own flesh, then you can just do it and God doesn't get any glory. You don't need God to bring it to pass. So if, if your vision is small enough that you can do it in your own natural flesh, then it's not God. It's not God. You need to go up to a higher place of thinking and vision. You need to obey a, a word from the Spirit, something that's big enough by faith. It's going to take God's assistance for this to get, to, uh, get done and come to pass. And that's exactly where I'm, where I'm at. Thank God. It took faith, obviously. You know, when we first started out traveling, 2010, it took faith to even believe God, to, to have doors open for us to go preach in places. You know, people say, well, you, you're, you, know, you have it easy because your dad's a preacher and your uncles are preachers, and so people will have it. Let me tell you, people might have you in one time to preach because your father's a preacher or your uncle's or your grandfather was, but if you still suck, that'd be the last time you show up because you still got to have it. You have to be anointed. You have to have something to offer the body of Christ. And so it may be a blessing generationally to have doors open to you for that one reason. But let me tell you, when you get there, you better have something in your spirit to give the people of God. And so it took faith for doors to open and for us to continue uh, having an ongoing traveling ministry. And uh, without question, God blessed us. We stayed faithful. We stayed faithful. You know, we never looked at it and we're like, man, it's just a hard way to serve the Lord. I remember the first year that we traveled, first year, our total income for the ministry was $6,800, $6,800 over the 12 months of our first, first year ministry. And I thought to myself, praise God, we get to be evangelists. Like, I wasn't like, I can't believe this. I mean, this is terrible. We were so excited to do, so excited to do what God called us to do. I mean, we were so pumped to be on the road traveling and preaching. I mean, I don't care. I took every, as same way I do today, I took every assignment extremely seriously. I said, well, this, this church only has 30 people. I'm not, I'm not going to preach my 3,000-member sermon to 30 people. No, no. I preached. People have, tell me that all the time. They'd come up and be like, man, you preach to 30 people like there's 30,000 people here. And, and it's just there's a passion to do what you're called to do. I was doing it by faith, and God kept opening doors. But let me tell you, and I will answer that question at the end, Sam. Can you talk about how a young preacher gains confidence to deliver a sermon? I'll answer that right by the end. 
And I was happy to be uh, with you, Denise and Glenn. What a blessing it was. And uh, you were a blessing to me and Carolyn, and I got to be a blessing to the students. And it was wonderful. I'll say that camp that, that Glenn and Denise put on in New Hampshire, it was my favorite uh, youth camp to preach because it was like revival services. You know, one of the things I always hated uh, about doing those types of things, I didn't like trying to change, and I, that's why I never did. But like you get this pressure, like now you're, it's a youth conference now. You got to be more relevant. You got to be more youthy. Make sure you come in with some props. I mean, that's how people think about it. It's like, no, I'm just a preacher. I come in and preach by the Holy Ghost. I lay hands on people. You know, that, that's what I do. I, I believe for miracles and deliverance and breakthroughs. And one of the things I love the most about the way that camp was set up in New Hampshire and still is, is that it was like a revival service. And we would just have a move of God every night among the young people. And I didn't care. I mean, I didn't care. Uh, you know, so well, there wasn't thousands. I don't care. I was having a blast. Kids getting drunk in the Holy Ghost, getting filled with the Spirit, getting saved, getting delivered. I mean, power of God hit the place. And I was so excited and, and thankful to be able to do those things. And, but there comes a time where you've got to be able, um, you've got to be able to expand your faith to the place where it's like, okay, I can recognize now that as things are going more smoothly, it's time to expand because you can, you can make the mistake of staying in that place where you're coasting and then the Lord is not pleased because oh, you're, now you're able to do this in your own strength. You don't need me anymore. You better do something bigger where it, re it requires God's assistance to do what is being done. Hold on, breaking news in the comments from Paul Stastny, mental patient. Suzanne Clatton called yesterday. She's sewing $1 billion to Krista Elisha. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Put your straitjacket back on. Um, but it's, it's literally, how did you get out of your straitjacket to type on your keyboard, Paul? Put it back on and go back to your padded room. Um, it's important that as you move forward, you're always depending on God. You're always depending on God. You can't do something so small that you can accomplish all of it. And so that's part of it. That's part of it. Because you start to realize God requires faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I don't want to do anything in this ministry that is not pleasing to God. So it has to require his assistance. It has to require faith. Amen. So this is what I'm encouraging you with before we pray. Is what you're doing, it's not about just the written commands in Scripture, but the Holy Spirit gives you instructions. That, that's what I mean. There, I could read the Bible all day long, all day long, but it's, there's nowhere in there that says, Ted and Carolyn, start a church in West Palm Beach. That's a personal instruction from the Holy Ghost. So I'm not going to find that from Genesis to Revelation. But the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will guide you, right? And so the question you have to ask yourself is, am I being obedient to the commands of Scripture? And am I being obedient to what I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to me personally? I had to obey when the Lord uh, told me to move to Florida, even though I never liked Florida. And Carolyn said, I'm never going back to Florida. The Lord had to speak to us. And we had to obey that instruction. When the Lord told us where to be, where to go, where to plant, we had to obey all those instructions. But as we did, look at all the increase that hit. Look at all the increase that hit. And then we had to obey and say, yes, Lord, we will speak it out of our mouths and make a point to say it with the, with the integrity of our 
own declaration, we will launch this church that you're asking us to launch. We had no idea how it was going to happen. No idea how it would work. But the Lord began to help us. Why? Because it is God that directs you. But then God, when you obey his direction, God provides for you. And what ends up happening? The blessing of God comes upon you and it overtakes you. Glory to God. It overtakes you. It overtakes you. And so I want you to declare this today. The blessing of God is overtaking me. Put it in the comments today. The blessing of God is overtaking me. The blessing of God is overtaking me. And that's going to be your story. In Jesus' name. Again, before we pray, look at this. The Bible says Christ is going to manifest himself, not once, but in an ongoing way. Jesus said in John 14, 21, a verse we quote to the victory tribe all the time, all the time. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Get ready for 2023 to be the year that Christ begins to manifest to himself to you as he never has. As you obey the commands of scripture, as you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit in your own life, get ready for the manifestations of Christ in your life, family, business, and ministry. Expect it. The blessing of God is overtaking you. The blessing of God is overtaking you. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown just finished their sanctuary. They said they're going to be ready for, uh, for their camp meeting. People didn't think it would happen. Oh, it happened. Did you know? I'll give you this testimony, and then I'm going to pray for you. Um, they told Dr. Rodney, you'll not have your HVAC system for uh, like a year like a year because they're, you know, backordered. There's a lot of people that have them on her and you have a specific configuration that you need and all this. And they said, you'll not have it for a year. And he said, no, no, you'll have it to me by next week. And when they told the company that they were like mad, they were like angry that he said, they're like, no, they're on back order. It's going to be over a year. And, and you have a specific configuration that you need. We're not going to be able to get it for a year. He said, no, you'll have it to me by next week. And they were just upset. And then all of a sudden, there was a car dealership that fell through on their HVAC system. And the guy called Dr. Rodney's office back and said, you're never going to believe this. There's a car dealership that ordered the same HVAC system that you need for your church. Because I don't know if you know this, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's church used to be a car dealership. That building used to be a car dealership. They said, there's a car dealership. It fell through. Same HVAC system that you need, and they're not going to get it now. And so we're going to get you this one by Monday. The exact same thing that he declared. And see, when God's on something, when God's called you to do something, he provides the resources. He provides the resources to get it done. And something that would have taken other people a year to do, God did for them in just a week. Why? Because when God's hand is on it, he will expedite his blessing in your life. He'll do for you. He'll do for you what no man can do. And he'll do for you in moments what it would take others a long time, months. 
He'll do for you in days what it would take others decades to do. That's why I, I was encouraging. That's why I was encouraging people with this on Twitter a couple of days ago. Did you know that from where uh, Israel disobeyed God and then went into the wilderness for 40 years, from where they were standing, it was only like an 11-day journey into the promised land. 11 days. 11 days. If you don't know that, let me read you Deuteronomy 1-2. Listen to this. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of, uh, of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. That was their journey. It was 11 days. It, took, it should have taken 11 days. But their disobedience to the Lord threw them into the wilderness and it ended up taking them 40 years of wandering before they got into the promised land. Because God said, I refuse to let any of these doubting, unbelieving people enter into the promise. That generation will all die in the wilderness. But the next generation, even Moses died in the wilderness. Joshua took them into the promised land. What should have taken 11 days had to take 40 years. Why? Because they went their own way. They went their own way. That's how it works. You do your own thing, takes forever. You do God's thing, happens quickly. It happens quickly. So I'm going to pray for those of you that are listening to me and those of you that are watching and believe that things are getting ready to happen very quickly for you in 2023. The blessing of the Lord is coming upon you and overtaking you. Coming upon you and overtaking you. Father, I pray now for every person watching and listening, those in the Victory Tribe that are faithful to your word, faithful to your spirit. Those, I know, Lord, this isn't for everybody. It's for the faithful. And so we expect supernatural breakthroughs. Lord, we expect things to happen at an expedited rate in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask you now by the power of your spirit to go ahead of us and open doors as Jesus holds the key of David in his hand. And when he opens doors, nobody can shut them. When he closes doors, no demon can open them. And we thank you that every crooked place is being made straight in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask you the purposes and the plans that you've placed on us individually. As we obey your voice and move forward, I pray they'll quickly come to pass. It's not going to take us decades to do the, what you could accomplish in days. We lean on you. We depend on you. Our hope, our trust is not in men. It's not in the flesh. It's not in corporations or governments. It is in you alone. You alone provide. You alone are our source. You alone are Jehovah Jireh. So we thank you ahead of time. We praise you for what's getting ready to take place. I pray. I pray, Lord, that you would bless their families. I pray you would bless their businesses. I pray you'd bless their ministries in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you. We give you glory and honor for what's about to happen in this year of transformation. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.